on the third episode of Jake and Adam. Hello, everybody. Hey, how about that uh, that intro music, though, eh? I thought it was all right. Yeah, Jake actually has a Jake creation. He made that. Pretty cool. Oh, stop. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a pretty talented <laughs> guy. Um, but yeah, we are getting super professional up in here. Actually, tell them the exciting news, Jake. How professional are we? We are professional enough to have our own sound editor what? now. What? Our, our awesome friend, Ben Bowers, many of you may know him. High school buddy. He is going to be doing our sound, and we are super excited about that. Yeah. So yeah, we are, we're trying to take audience <laughs> feedback very seriously. So technically, things should be improving. Also, um, we got some feedback from some audience members that we never defined something that is key to this whole thing. Evangelicalism. Yeah. Like, what, what is evangelicalism? What do we mean by evangelicalism? So this is something that's pretty important. I'm kind of surprised that we, like, forgot to do yeah. that in the first two episodes. Our, that's kind of, like, what bad. we're all about, sort of. Yeah. So yes. we want to we just, just... We apologize. Uh, yeah. And we want to make that up to you right now by just quickly going over what evangelicalism is. So... So, Adam. Yes. What is evangelicalism? Oh, well, uh, since you're asking me... There, yeah, so Jake and I, we, we grew up in evangelical communities. We lived with this our whole lives. But it was at Wheaton College that we went through a few classes, one in particular, Bith 111, a Bible class. Bith is Bible and theology. Right. We, the whole thing was about defining what evangelicalism are. We're not going to go into mm-hmm. the, the academic definitions, but based on a combination of our experience and what we learned in college, evangelicalism boils down to four pretty crucial things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. We'll just go through them and see, and see what we end up with. Maybe four. Maybe four. But Maybe we'll more. Four at least. The yes. first one, <laughs> the thing we thought was most crucial, is the idea of having a personal relationship with Jesus. You would agree, Jake? I do agree. So what, yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean in evangelicalism, to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Uh, it, it means that, well, you, you pray to Jesus for one, you He's sort of the source of your strength. You also believe that he has died for your sins, and he is sort of the mediator between God and humanity. Yeah, and he is God also. He is God. So that gets into some technical— But he's also the mediator between God the Father and Ah, humanity. Nice. So it's all about Jesus. It's all about the individual's connection with Jesus. And we thought that there were two big ways that you connect with Jesus. One is through the Bible, which evangelicals believe is— literal and inerrant so it is the source of truth literal truth the only like real authoritative source of truth is revealed in the bible so there's like a huge emphasis placed on god speaking to us through the bible and revealing to us who jesus is through the bible so your person did you say literally like literally yeah yes literally literally. the bible is literal literal bible Yes, word of yep. God, literally, speaking to us individually. Yes. And that kind of helps us understand who Jesus is and our relationship to Jesus is experienced through the Bible in many ways. Mm-hmm. The other way was the Holy Spirit. So you want to talk about yeah. the Holy Spirit? What is this Holy Spirit thing that evangelicals are all about? Yeah, so it's a little hard to define really, but the Holy Spirit being the, the third part of the Trinity, with God the Father and Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is... is sort of the, the way that we have direct access to God is is kind of like 
sort of the mediator of our spiritual life in in a way. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there are different different views of the Holy Spirit within evangelicalism, but the big idea is right. it's a spiritual divine force that speaks to us, that works through us. Miracles can be a part of your view of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Acts of the Spirit, works of the Spirit. Yeah, it's it's a it's yeah it's a very um, it's supernatural in the most sort of supernatural sense, mystical sense even. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it brings a little bit of that element yeah. to Christianity. And the Holy Spirit works works in with the Bible in tandem. So a Christian who has a good personal relationship with God, who's trying to grow in his or her faith, will read the Bible and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help that person read the Bible faithfully. So that's another role of the Holy Spirit. So the evangelical Christian believes in this commitment to having a personal relationship with Jesus in the Bible as the source of authoritative truth and literal, and it's literal. The literalism is a big part of it. The Holy Spirit yeah. is guiding us through life. And then there's a huge emphasis on evangelism, hence the name. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's probably the most defining feature of evangelicals in in sort of a public sphere. Sure, yeah, um, of course. That, that a big part of of what it means for them to be a Christian is the, um, what is, what is the, the commandment go on the to great commission. all nations? Yeah. The great commission. That's the one, not commandment commission, the yeah. great commission. So it's critical mission for evangelicals to find the, the lost, those who haven't heard of Jesus and, or who have and have rejected him and sort of win them over to, to to facilitate the work of the Holy Spirit in their salvation. Yeah, so ultimately what we're hoping for, if you know, evangelical Christians are hoping for everyone to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because that personal relationship saves them. Yeah. So this, there's it's this what, idea of salvation. Right, and that's what ultimately gets someone into heaven yeah. for eternal life, right? Right. Is if they have a personal relationship with God. Yeah, and there are different views of, of you know, there's there is salvation into the fullness of life now, there is salvation into the fullness of life continuing into eternity, but the big idea is you're being saved from yeah. sin, both now and for eternity. Yeah. We are in this state of sin. The personal relationship with Jesus Christ takes us out of that state of sin. Yeah. Without going too deep into the theology of it, that's kind of the general outline of evangelicalism. And there are other ways to understand it for sure. And we, I mean, there's a lot more, more nuance to it. Um, but that's generally been kind of our experience with evangelicalism. And that's yeah. generally what we're talking about unless we qualify it in some other way. Yeah. In broad strokes, sinful personal relationship with Jesus Christ saves us. The Bible is the way to truth. The Holy Spirit guides us in life. And we are called to convert others and introduce them to Jesus so that they can have a personal relationship with him and be saved. Fair? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That cool. seems reasonable to me. So that's our that's our working definition when we when we use that phrase evangelical. And with that clarification, we are going to dive into our episode for the evening. Today, we will be interviewing Jacob Decker and exploring his journey from evangelical Christianity to where he is today. I want to start us off with the following question. Jake, to you, 
you were an evangelical Christian and right. you have since left the evangelical fold. Mm-hmm. But when you were an evangelical Christian, what did it mean for you to be a Christian? What did it mean in your life? What did you believe? And practically, what did it look like in your day-to-day life to be an evangelical Christian? Sure, that's a good question. So I would I would say that this, to me, I, I started to live as an evangelical Christian and really take it for myself when I was in high school. And this sort of, one of the ways that I would see myself as a Christian is I did uh, my devotions every day for half an hour so or an hour. What are devotions? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so d- devotions for me essentially consisted of scripture reading and, and praying. And I would go through scripture on my own or with the aid of like a, a Bible study book or okay. something. Yeah. And then also pray about the, the world, everything going on from international affairs to uh, school affairs to my personal ideas or thoughts or whatnot. What would be an example of a, of a high school Jake prayer? What would you pray about? Oh, gosh. Uh, um, I would I would pray about uh, like personal relationships I have and I would say, oh, I'm, you know, having hard time with this person um give me the the patience for to deal with this person the understanding of the situation stuff stuff like that is kind of oriented towards myself being oriented more healthily towards my life okay. i guess okay. that makes so like sense. relationships your own attitude about things yeah but also praying for like intervention um in like if there's a humanitarian crisis, like a famine or something, uh, I would pray that God would send people to provide care for the needy and stuff like that. Okay. So small, small scale stuff for yourself, big scale stuff in the world, intervention. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the most uh, practical day-to-day things in my routine that to me felt was a Christian thing to, to do. And I didn't think that I had to do that to be a Christian. At least I tried not to. Sometimes I was kind of legalistic with it. But to me, to being a Christian, more than doing anything in particular, it what it meant to me was kind of an orientation towards the world, that we're all part of God's creation, that we are part of God's plan, and that I wanted to live my life in a way that would most glorify God and, and seek to do his will. Okay. So I'm one thing that would be interesting for you to clarify is, is what, what do you mean by bringing glory to God specifically? This concept of glory. Um, you're living your life to glorify God. What did that mean to you back then? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And that's somewhat of a, that's, that's always been somewhat of a hard question for me. Okay. The, you know, I was influenced a lot by um, John Piper, one of the bigger, more well-known evangelical pastors in in the U.S. Um, and even worldwide, and he talked about the idea that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him, and it's sort of and it's more nuanced. And I'm not going to go into that because um, right now I don't think I would do it justice. But um, essentially, I would be giving God glory by l- living my life fully 
by living my life to the fullest of my ability in in recognizing his work in my life and in orienting everything I was doing towards doing God's will. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does so, that make sense? Yeah. So you had you had this this sense of your place within this bigger picture of God is in control. God has a plan for you. This is God's world mm-hmm. that he created. This is God's like this giant narrative of of creation and you're you have a part to play. And your purpose is to play that part in a way that you're living fully into basically God's plan. You're fully living your life. Yeah. You're fully enjoying everything God has for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. is that more yeah. or less? Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So when you shifted from high school to college, did your devotional habits stay the same? Did Did what it mean to be a Christian change in any significant way for you while you remained an evangelical? Yeah, well, for the first couple years, two or three years in college, um, my devotional habits did pretty much stay the same. I think I, I think, I mean, if anything, they, um, they intensified. Um, I was, I think, spending at least an hour a day, every day. I, would, I remember getting up at six, six o'clock freshman year, nobody would be awake on the floor. Just crazy to me, because six o'clock, it's not that early anymore, but... And for the first year of college, I pretty much just kind of in, intensified in general in my understanding of who I was as an evangelical Christian. Um, it wasn't till into sophomore year and starting into junior and then, then senior year that I started, pieces of it started falling apart a little bit. Okay. Yeah, and I think, I think we, should, we should start exploring that latter part. But before we do, I had one more question. Could you give us a sense of what it mean, what it meant to you to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Like, what did that look like to you to have a personal relationship? Was that primarily found in those moments of devotion time in the mornings? Was it something that happened throughout the day? What did that mean to you to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, most of the time, the most definite point where I felt that personal relationship was was in the mornings um and or whenever i had my devotions but i remember also um throughout the day kind of whenever i would i would think about it i would pray to jesus or whatever and and feel like oh yeah uh this this relationship is alive and 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 functioning but it was it was kind of as it occurred to me to think about it throughout the day. Okay. So the sense I'm getting of your personal relationship to Christ was primarily this kind of spiritual, trying to stay connected to Jesus through prayer, through your devotions throughout the day in a way that would make sure that you were oriented in the right way. Like you were on the right path, your attitude, you you had the right attitude about things. You're trying to follow some sort yeah. of guidance and respond to things in a way that was keeping Christ sort of in mind. So it was sort of this, this orientation towards life. You, you, you've used that word orientation a lot. Would you say that that yeah. was primarily what your faith sort of meant to you? Is the cultivation of this orientation? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably a pretty fair way to, to summarize it. Um, at, it. At the time, it, I remember 
it being very hard to describe. Okay. Which is probably why it's in in some parts of it are hard for me to describe now in my memory because I wouldn't have really been able to answer it then because mm. the, it felt transcendent. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that's because I didn't understand what I was doing, but um, because I felt like there was a transcendent a transcendent aspect of it that was was supernatural. Okay. Really. And beyond um, and description. So that's kind of how I understood it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. Sure. No, that, that's reasonable. So a lot of past tense usage going on here. Um, and you, do, you, do, you did mention that a few things started um, falling apart in your evangelicalism. So towards the, the end of college, like myself, you began moving away from evangelicalism. Right. So to explore that, I want to lead in with with just a, a, a blunt question here. Today, you are not an evangelical, but mm-hmm. would you say that you are a Christian? Are you a Christian today? Mm, no. All right. So that's how, <laughs> how uh, I have to ask based on just the communities that we come from, some of the people listening in, people who who are very invested in you being a Christian, how significant is it to you to make this admission? How how does this feel to you? Is this a big deal? This is a big deal. Okay. Yeah. I, I've, I'm a little nervous right now, honestly, uh, just talking about it. Um, this is not something that I have talked about publicly before. Yeah. Uh, or on, on Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have had conversations with family members over the last year or so but uh, this kind of feels like my coming out a little bit i mean it is kind of i'm coming out as not a christian um and it feels like a really big deal to me because it is the thing that i have built my life around in that almost everybody knows me to be my very identity is fundamentally different yeah. by saying that. And you know that you have a pretty great risk of not being accepted in a lot of the circles that we used to belong to. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very thankful that so far the, the conversations, the personal conversations that I've had with people, I haven't tended to get that response from people. Mm-hmm. People have still been accepting of me Mm. a lot of people i've talked to have seemed to find it a lot harder to grapple with who i am now Mm. as not being a christian yeah but yeah i yeah we'll see i mean i'm some people probably aren't gonna be okay with that and that's just the way it is well especially coming from from evangelicalism which places such such a, a high emphasis on converting others to the faith, leaving that faith is is all the the more startling. Um. Well, what's startling is that in almost everybody that I know's minds, I've gone in that one word I've gone from living happily for eternity to 
suffering forever in hell. Yeah. That's that's a little weighty. Yeah. Um, it's a little weighty. Yeah, and that that is, I, I, from my experience as well, like the thing that is that can cause the most anxiety in if 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 one started if if you are a, a christian and an evangelical who starts questioning things you do face that knowledge of oh i know exactly how people will see me if i fall from the faith you know so that's right. always looming I, over you i used to think this about people yeah. and it's it's you not used something to think it of i ever for a wanted while. to <laughs> I, did, I did think that of you for a while and it's not that I ever wanted to think about it. Um, it's not like I was going around judging people like, oh, well, you're going to hell, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell. I mean, that's not, maybe that happens for some people. I don't think that happens for the majority of people, but you can't escape it being in the back of your mind that, you know, doctrin- doctrinally, yeah. From what you know of that person yeah. and me saying this publicly, you don't even have to guess I'm saying this. I'm based on what you believe, I am going to hell. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of this, you know, like if you, you believe that human beings need water to survive, if someone stops drinking, you know they're going to die. It's like that strength of, yeah. a, of a belief in like you need this in order to continue. Yeah into eternity yeah. you're, miss, you're missing the water of life here you're gonna die of thirst eventually yeah so uh, yeah it's, it's interesting to deal with you yeah. know of the, of the people I've talked to because I mean I don't believe this about myself right so I, I mean I don't believe that I'm gonna suffer eternally and, and whatnot I don't believe in, in heaven and hell but knowing just knowing that other people believe that makes me sad for them more than anything and not because it's pathetic or anything like that because i know it's something that they legitimately have to deal with yeah while at the same time trying to understand how to relate to me and Mm. and love me but but obviously i mean most people understand that just straight up trying to convert me (laughs) isn't isn't going to be so straightforward. Right. Um, and so I, I, I feel, I, I feel like this is a lot harder on the people who really love me. Yeah. In a way than it is for me. It's been harder for me to get to where I am. It's been a long and hard process to get here. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm here, it's hard primarily for those who love me and, believe that i'm going to hell yeah yeah i i can i can sympathize with that very much so for those who are somewhat shocked and startled by this revelation i think maybe it would be helpful to to explore a little bit how you found yourself in the place you are today in your non-christian state how did this happen like why aren't you a christian what happened to bring you here you were once a happily evangelical in your faith. You once had what you thought of as a personal connection with God. And now you look back on that and you say, no, that wasn't real. That's not who I am. What, what happened to bring you to this place? That is the million dollar question, isn't it? (laughs) Um, 
you know, that question is almost as hard to definitively answer as it was to try to understand it myself for the last four years. That's yeah. been my question this whole time. Yeah. What, 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 what am I? What do I believe? Um, and, and yeah, until very, very recently, yeah, I have been, I have identified as a Christian, but it, the pieces of my paradigm started to. I think the first piece that started to go was evolution. And when I started entertaining thoughts about evolution, it made it it made the first crack in conservative evangelicalism as I knew it. Mm. It didn't it didn't push me away from God at all and I mm. think a theme a theme of all of this is that there are really two things going on. There's one going away from conservative evangelicalism. Yeah. But then there's also kind of a theme for me that was entirely separate of just not believing in God. And those are two different things, and I think I'll be able to clarify that more. But the evolution piece, I didn't understand how something so central, so understood by modern science, was just completely rejected by conservative evangelicals. Mm. Um, and the more I studied it, the more I realized that something in my understanding of faith would have to change because this was evidence like right in front of my eyes. Sure. So you you felt like you trusted that evidence. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I When I started to come around on the idea that evolution could be possible and in fact compatible with theism, all of a sudden I'm starting to look over my shoulder a little bit and be like, wait well, what else did you guys say that hmm. wasn't wasn't the word of God? Yeah, like, yeah. So that was the first piece for me. And as, as college went on, I think junior year is when I started questioning some more facts about my evangelicalism and just, does this really hold up to, to what I'm kind of understanding about the world? Um, so, so, okay. So you're talking about evolution or evolutionary creationism as being this issue that began to make you feel a little bit uneasy about conservative evangelicalism. Um, even though you were finally able to reconcile, um, science with evangelical faith, you still felt a little bit uneasy about whether or not maybe there were other aspects of evangelical Christianity that were maybe just, just bogus, like wrong in the same way that, that you you decided that evangelical Christianity was wrong about evolution. What were a few of those other things that be, you began to question, especially towards the end of college? My sophomore year, I started a philosophy 101 class. This was most likely <laughs> my most influential college class. Essentially, by taking philosophy, I started to understand what it meant to think Critically, and I started to learn how to think critically. And learning the tools of critical thinking kind of opened me up to start asking questions and start to see the value in just asking questions that I never even thought to ask before. About what? Um, what type of questions? About well, about everything. About okay, maybe maybe I can ask. 
just got to exist. I, I don't know. I didn't even let myself ask that question for a long time, even mm. even once I started asking questions. Mm. I kind of wanted to, but I didn't let myself. Mm. But, but questions like, uh, is the Bible really inerrant? Is it the dictated Word of God, or is it just inspired by the Word of God, but put into the words of the human authors? Mm. Um, questions about what it means to be a Christian, who's a Christian and who's not, and how do we draw that distinction? And okay, and actually, yeah, right. junior year is when I started to be open to the questions that you were asking. Um, I started to not shut them down like I did for mm. the first two years of high school or of college. I wasn't open. Um, and it wasn't just to you. I mean, you were the one I was interact with most but i i didn't let myself ask questions because i thought that i knew all the answers i had already been given all the answers Mm. why would i need to ask the like i i remember specifically sort of laughing at slash being a little smug about people who were talking about the problem of evil Mm. (laughs) and i was like I got no problem with evil. I understand <laughs> what it is. I understand what it is. It's a tool that's God that God is using. He and I would I would go back to Romans about him forming some vessels for uh, dishonest use and some for honest use or uh, something basically like that. And I just saw it as he was using evil essentially to bring out his own glory. Regardless of the theology of that, um, I thought I had it figured out, so I never really had to answer or to ask it, which was, I think, one of my biggest criticisms of myself and the conservative evangelical community that I came from is mm. the idea of being open to asking questions rather than just having prescribed answers. That's really good. Yeah, I think I think there's this sense of being being sure, you know, y- you need to be sure as an evangelical Christian, as a conservative evangelical Christian, like this assurance in our beliefs um, that often lends itself to kind of a self-assurance that isn't open to questions. And I, I want to mention too, um, specifically in the year after college, I, I was pretty well done with evangelicalism uh, after college. But I still definitely identified as a Christian. But one thing that kind of was the final nail in the coffin for me regarding evangelicalism was when my attention was drawn to Black Lives Matter Mm. um, in Ferguson. Mm. I was completely unaware of the injustices of the criminal justice system and mass incarceration in the U.S. I was completely unaware of that going into Ferguson. But mm-hmm. I started to really try to understand it, try to see people who were um, talking about it um, and, and read about it as much as I could. And my opinion started to change about it. Mm-hmm. What I couldn't understand and what drove everything home for me is seeing the evangelical lack of response to Black Lives Matter. Mm. To me, it was everything that the gospel was supposed to be about was opening your mind to 
the least of these and or serving the least of these. And mm. the fact that the way I saw it, the evangelical world couldn't even open their mind to understanding who are the least of these. Mm. Mm. I after after being able to process that for a while that that was it for me with the evangelicalism i i couldn't identify with them theologically anymore and i certainly wouldn't politically or as a social group i i was just done yeah so the final nail in the coffin of evangelicalism as you put it was ultimately what seemed to be like a fundamental hypocrisy yeah in the evangelical yeah. church would you say that 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 describes it yeah Yep, and then on on top of that, that was the final nail in the coffin, and then the dirt on the grave was was Donald Trump. I Oof. I could if it hadn't I, died I just, by then. I still cannot understand. I'm I'm not going to get into the politics of that, but eighty percent of the evangelical vote going to Donald Trump is is something that I could not reconcile with that identity at all. Like. That wasn't what I thought it meant to be <laughs> an evangelical, and yeah. At that point, you so can't you can't use the excuse the that though. it's that it's just you know the outliers like they're not real Christians. I mean, it's eighty percent of them. It's eighty so percent of them. That and, that means something. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's fair. It hit hard for sure. Yeah. So so evangelicalism is out by by the time Ferguson rolls around. Um, mm-hmm. How how long did it take until until um, the second issue was resolved? Because you you talked about these being two distinct issues of of a move away from evangelicalism and then a move yeah. away from belief in a Christian God or even God at all. Um, yeah. What did it take for you to get to that point? So you've you've abandoned evangelicalism. You see it as being fundamentally hypocritical, and you are still a Christian at this point? What, what does yeah. it look like? I still identified with as, as a Christian, okay. but I definitely, through, through my openness to now asking questions, hmm. I questioned a lot of what does it mean to be a Christian? Hmm. Um, and I, I, I identified as a Christian almost because I didn't, like, I, th- I thought I was a Christian, but I was just very unsure of what that meant and one of the bigger influences once i got out of college was i read um this guy steven pinker uh-huh. um i read his book the better angels of our nature yeah. um i've, I've heard you mention this, this book before a, i've mentioned this book very many times um <laughs> but it's important to note um i wasn't subscribing to to pinker's ideas about about god um it, that that's not how the book affected me the the book is basically a historical analysis and a survey and analysis of violence throughout the world and mm. it makes a pretty persuasive argument that violence has pretty much consistently declined throughout history as quote quote unquote civilization has has progressed um and technology has progressed what was significant about that? Well, one, it went contrary to the theme that the evangelical theme and the, the Christian theme kind of that 
the world is getting worse and worse. We're getting towards the end times. Right. Jesus is going to come for a thousand years, whatnot. Mm. Um, that kind of ran very contrary to that. I was like, oh, we're, are we getting better? But also... It's, I mean, it's a very evolutionary perspective, too, you know? It is. We're developing yeah. into higher and higher forms. It is, yeah, yeah. Mm. But also, it started me asking the question, well, what would the world look like today if God never existed? Mm. What if I was to look at the world through a secular perspective? Mm. And I started kind of doing that as a project. While I still identified as a Christian, I just started to think, well, what would be different? And I, well, with my understanding of evolution, like, I mean, the <laughs> the physical world, the species, all the animals, like, that's kind of accounted for. What about morality? Are we, how do we love? How do we have emotion? How do we, how do we think about stuff? All the, all mm. the stuff that isn't clearly physical. Um, Is there still good and evil? Yeah, yeah, mm. questions like that. And the more I started to kind of read and think about human psychology and how it could have developed and how theories of how game theory can apply to everyday violence and lead to actual positive progress, more and more I just started to see maybe it's not necessary for God to exist for the world to be as it is today. Hmm. Maybe this all just could be here because it's here and maybe we don't have a purpose as prescribed by a deity but maybe we maybe we decide what our own purpose is maybe we create our own purpose maybe i i i'm still not like 100 percent resolved on all these questions of course mm. but i just started to realize that you know i don't really think that christian perspective is necessary for my understanding of the world okay so, so what, what I'm hearing here is, is there's a Christian worldview that makes sense of everything. Yeah. And then you came to a point where you discovered that there's another way of looking at the world that actually makes more sense than the Christian perspective. So like kind of a, in, in sort of a, a quest for truth, in a quest for like a true understanding of the world that forced you to move away from the Christian view to an atheistic view yeah i yeah i guess i would say i'm an atheist that's probably the easiest way to describe myself but with qualifications um uh sort of like how you said you were a christian but with qualifications some people might not consider you one well some people might not consider me um an atheist because i i'm not completely sold on the idea of there not being any sort of supernatural element to reality. Hmm. Um, If there is, I wouldn't be surprised if the whole distinction between supernatural and natural is really just kind of arbitrary and we just don't physically have the organs or whatnot to detect. Like, it's in a dimension that we don't have the ability to detect detect but that doesn't necessarily there's not really a hard line there um so all all that to say 
I might be more agnostic. I might be an atheist. It kind of depends. It goes back and forth. So but, you're an atheist, but you're still asking questions. You're still questioning things. You're still trying to yeah, come I'm to an a atheist, clear sense. But, but I'm still first and foremost pursuing the truth. And if the truth turns out, if I understand the truth to be an evangelical God exists, well, I hope I get to that understanding eventually because I, d- I don't want to be so boxed into my own beliefs right now that I can never get to the truth because that was my whole criticism with who I used to be. Sure. sure. I was that person and yeah. I don't want to be that person anymore. Yeah. So in 10 years, I suspect that I'll be an atheist because how can you suspect anything else from what you believe currently? But sure. I hope I'm open enough to evolve. Yeah. Mm. If necessary. Yeah. I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty compelling. But at the same time you have experienced a lot of things and done a lot of work to get to the place where you are today. So it's never going to be as easy a progression as as just going back and forgetting everything that you've learned and experienced right the only right. way you can't the only way forward is forward yeah you can't undo experience yeah experience has happened and it is what it is and yeah for the purposes of the audience right now i would hope that they would be able to come to terms with the fact that i am an atheist and i'm probably going to be an atheist for the rest of my life mm-hmm. It's yeah. possible I might not be, but it'd be easier if people could come <laughs> to terms with that and relate sure. to me as who I am without having either an ulterior ulterior motive or just sure. a hope in the back of their mind that I'll be yeah. someone different. But I also know sure. that's kind of impossible to ask yeah. some people, yeah. and I get why. Right, right, right. No, but that's important. I think that's important for some people to hear. So all of this is is really pretty weighty stuff, um, especially for, for for many of our listeners, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But I, I want to come I want to come back to this question of um, personal relationship with God, and also the question of of morality and purpose, because I think this is a question that a lot of people will be asking. So you don't believe in Christianity, you don't believe that Christianity makes quote unquote sense anymore. But what about your personal relationship? It, was all of that fabricated? Um, is Jesus not real? Is God not real? And if so, what is your purpose? If your purpose is no longer to bring glory to God and to be in a relationship with Jesus, what is your purpose? And how do you conceive of being an ethical person? Of what is right and wrong? Like, like do these things fall yeah. apart? Like, give us some answers here. So, so what's going on? Yeah, that's fair. Do you have Um, answers? You know, is this even an important question to be asking? Like, do you think it's important to have answers to these questions? Um, Take a stab um, at any of these. It's it's a very important question to ask. Um, It's, I think, much more important to ask than it is to answer um, Mm -hmm. in, in some ways. So, I mean, as an atheist, I don't think God is real. Jesus, I believe, was a historical figure. I don't think he was the son of God, and I don't think that he 
you know, rose again from the dead. So, I mean, I would just dispute the historicity of all of that. Mm. But as it comes to what is my purpose? Well, well, that is a hard question to answer. And I think maybe it's because I feel, I don't feel like that's maybe the right question for me to ask anymore. That's a big question Mm. to ask if you're a theist. But if you're not a theist, well, who, I mean, there was no one to give you a purpose. Sure. So I can tell you what I find most fulfilling in life, what I orient my life around, and that is loving other people. Okay. And you might, you know, ask, push back on that and say, well, why is that important? Why is um, that important? Yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. That's not a question I have a hard answer to. What I can answer is that I know from experience that that is what brings me most fulfillment in mm-hmm. life. I, it's not it's not my personal successes or gains that I really feel tell the most. It's it's the quality of of my relationships. Um, and because there's something so just deeply rooted in the human nature that we seek to connect to other humans hmm. so that's sort of an answer sort of not so but so what i'm what i'm hearing is is yeah. kind of an interesting parallel to to something you said earlier that this is this this idea of loving others is something that is central to who you are this is central to your identity central to like your sense of quote-unquote purpose or or basically what you're all about what guides you in life but it's something that's not easily describable perhaps even, in some sense, transcendent. <laughs> Would that be fair to say? Uh, or do you feel uncomfortable with that terminology? I, I, I see where you're coming with that <laughs> parallel. Um, I think there are differences as okay. well. Okay. Uh, the, the transcendence isn't a supernatural thing. Sure, but it transcends your ability it's, to readily understand or answer, at least right now. Yes, but the difference is that I think there is an answer to it. And I think it mm. lies in human psychology and okay. in science in, in general. Okay. We can can answer this with science, whereas before that was kind of a, this like literally can't be answered because it transcends reality, mm. well, uh, material reality. Interesting. So you take a very scientific view of these issues of meaning and value and purpose and ethics and the whole the whole shebang you take you know, a very I scientific try to be like a humanities kind of guy and like <laughs> but i keep coming back to rationality and naturalism mm. and humanism and secularism it just makes sense to me when everything comes down to it and so sure. yes i i have a very scientific understanding and Mm. way of looking at the world everything kind of boils down to scientific principles can only imagine the 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 cringes and so many of my (laughs) so many listeners faces i can just picture it because i've seen it in reality but that's what it comes down to for me so i don't believe in god i believe in science science man (laughs) well this is and this is something and this is a point where i think you and i we, you and I differ pretty significantly in in yeah in how we make sense of the world in terms of of 
scientific explanations of things, rationalism and, and whatnot. We, um, we differ so significantly that it might be worth the podcast. At hey, some point. hey, later on down the line, because I think I think we're coming to a place in this episode where where we need to wrap things up. Um, yeah. But as maybe a final question, a final thought um, from your very scientific view of all of this. What would you say to those who are deeply, deeply religious, who have a deep belief in God? How do you view those who believe in God? Do you, do you, what is your attitude? Is it, is it something that you, you, is there anything about theistic belief that you admire? Is there anything that comes out of religion that you value? Um, because I think one thing that some of our listeners may be wondering is, do you respect mm. people's faith? Or does yeah, that depend? I, I appreciate that question. Yeah. No, I, that's a really, really valid question. Um, my answer is that, Yes, I, I really respect many, most of the Christians that I know. I don't hold, I don't, I don't think that religion is bad by itself. I don't think that believing in, in God is bad. I was, I was talking about earlier with Black Lives Matter. Um, some of the people that most influenced me in regards to that are some of the most committed Christians. And I really respect that. And I mm-hmm. Obviously, I disagree with their core belief in in God and Jesus and whatnot, but their belief and their understanding of religion is manifesting in some of the very same goals that I have as mm. an atheist um, mm. to pro- to kind of promote uh, human flourishing, I guess. And so, whether or not I respect someone is not based off whether or not they believe in God. It's what hmm. they do with their understanding of whether God exists or not. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't want to demonize people at all. I hmm. don't want them to feel like they can't have any conversation or connection with me or, or anything like that because of what they know I believe coming to the table. So would you say even even though you disagree with tenets of Christian faith, you still have respect for the way that that faith plays itself out in many people's lives? Yeah, and um, another thing as well, going kind of to your earlier question of whether anything good comes out of religion, I think religion has a lot of important things to offer to the world. And, and one of those things is... Um, self-reflection. That's something I, I talked about my devotional time. Um, yeah. Besides just being scripture and, and prayer and whatnot, that was a really healthy thing for me because it promoted, it encouraged me to look, to think about myself and my place in the world and what I was doing. And it was, it was a sort of reflection that is, religions are really good at promoting. Hmm. And I think it's really important just for your own mental health. Um, I think it's always good to step back and and see kind of the bigger picture of mm. of what's going on um, mm. in your life as it relates mm. to the world. So that that's something mm. that's somewhat unique to religion. Obviously, there's secular versions of it as well, just meditation or other practices, but also it's just self-reflection taking Mm. time to Mm. think about yourself and things you did 
well and things you aren't doing well and ways you can improve. Yeah. That's and I think, something that's very important. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. And that's kind of our entire podcast is a product of that disciplining that we received as evangelical Christians, that self-reflection, that intentionality, that that um, commitment to this big picture view of the world and purpose and meaning. And even though we have left evangelicalism to various degrees, um, we're still involved in in a lot of the things that we were doing as Christians or evangelical Christians, especially with the self-reflection. We want to dig deeper. We want to get at the truth. We want to do it together as much as possible. Exactly. I think that's 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 all we got for today, Jake. <laughs> that's all. Thanks. That's that's everything. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for for expressing everything you've expressed. I know a lot of what what you've 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 said has been weighing on you a lot for for a long time, and this public declaration of non Christianity is is a big deal. And I want to just just respect that um, and respect your courage for coming out with that. And I would also ask our audience to to respect that as well, even if. If many of you disagree with with what has been said, just I ask that you that you respect what what is what has happened um, because it is significant. Well, thanks for for saying that, Adam. It it is a big deal, and I do want to have conversations right um, with everybody about this. And yes, I I feel a little different at the yeah. other end yeah. of this episode, but yeah. human connection is is what it's all right. about, and I want to facilitate that with this. Yeah. Good. So respect, but with engagement. Yeah. yeah. We don't want you do. We don't want like I respect you, but uh, let's not talk anymore. Kind of a thing going on here. And if yeah. you don't want to talk about it, I mean that that's yeah. that's cool too. We can't talk to literally everybody. Like all. We can't get to all of our fans. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Like, who do you think we are? <laughs> well, with that, um, I think we got to bring bring this to a close. Yeah. Well, I think. Now that we theoretically have an outro as well, I mean, we have an intro, right? We should probably introduce an outro. Yeah. So that should probably start right about yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Cool. 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 All right. See you next time. Good talk, Adam.